Good afternoon. This is Pamela, and you are listening to On the Pod. We are going to continue in the book reading of the book that I wrote in 2003. Um, today is Chapter 17, and it is entitled Priesthood of McCasseldeck. And uh, first, before that, I would like to um, just, I don't know, acknowledge um, and encourage our brother in Christ, Leland Jones. He lives over in Israel and praise God. You know, God will confirm his word. And last night I was um, listening to his video that he had put up about Passover and the days that it happened and, you know, what day of the week that was and everything. And I was just so amazed, just absolutely. I was like, thank you, Father. You know, he confirms his word at all times he does. And um, so anyway, I had shared this uh, book that I had written, you know, in the playlist that I got going with him. And honestly, I mean, God knows my heart. I never intended for him to, you know, um, pin it or, you know, recommend it or anything like that. And I truly appreciate that. I appreciate it only because of the fact that this is the word of God. And we are to let scripture interpret scripture. We don't need to go out to the outside sources, look at things, and then come back to the word of God and try to fit it in there. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Know the word of God first. And when you know the word of God and you see that the word of God will never contradict itself, it will always complement, it will always confirm itself. Then when you're looking around and you see things on the outside, then you will know whether this is the word of God happening before our very eyes or if it's manipulation. So many people, they have tried and, you know, we did that um, chapter or chapters, I should say, on the book of Enoch and the fallen angels and excuse me, and they tried to go back into the Word of God and fit that into the Word of God. Well, they did a great job, and what I mean by that is, no, the Word of God does not back it up, but by manipulating the scriptures and the verses, then it kind of makes sense to our carnal way of thinking. But see, the Bible is spiritually discerned. And if you're a carnal, you're not going to understand it. So what the enemy does is a lot of people, they're like Thomas. I will not believe until I see. They want to see proof on things. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. We believe even though we have not yet seen, right? So as you begin to study and you pray and you seek God's face and you ask him for wisdom in faith, he will give it to you through his Holy Spirit and he will open up the word of God because it is only spiritually discerned. We got to empty ourselves out of preconceived ideas, of false teachings and all of that stuff and say, Lord, empty me, make me an empty vessel that has no knowledge of anything else. I just want you and your Holy Spirit, who is my teacher, to teach me the truth. You want the truth and nothing but the truth. That's exactly what you want. Sometimes it hurts. I'll tell you, I cried. I cried when I found out 
that, you know what, years ago I taught a pre-tribulation rapture and that was a lie. That was a lie. But I believed it. And I taught it. Oh, my goodness. You talk about being devastated when God revealed that to me. Okay, so without continuing on that rabbit trail, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to acknowledge Leland Jones, his uh, YouTube channel. I highly recommend. I really, really do. You know, none of us know everything, but together we can piece it together. Iron sharpens iron. Always search this word to see if these things are so. Be a good Berean. All right, chapter 17, Priesthood of Melchizedek. <clears throat> Where did Jesus go immediately after his resurrection? Why didn't anyone see him as soon as they seen the angels? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was resurrected exactly 72 hours from the time he was placed in the tomb without doubt. He would have risen from the tomb before the stone was rolled away near sundown on Saturday, the Sabbath, as the weekly Sabbath, as to have risen on the third day, as he said. There was something he had to do before the new day began. But before we begin with what he had to do, we must understand who Jesus is to us now. Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 4. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace." Without father, without mother, without descent, neither having beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. This is just my opinion, but I believe that Jesus was Melchizedek in the Old Testament. This is just my opinion, and the main reasons being is this. Number one, King of Salem literally translates King of Peace. Number two, Melchizedek literally translates King of Righteousness. He is referred to as the priest of the Most High God before a priesthood was even established. Four, Abraham paid him tithes. Five, he has no father or mother. Six, no descendants. Seven, no beginning of days or end of life. Eight, he abideth a priest continually. Nine, he also had communion with Abraham, the bread and the wine. Think about that. All right. Hebrews chapter 7, 15 through 17. And it is yet far more evident that for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art, let's see, I better go. Um, see, like I told you before, and now I don't want to get confused and I certainly don't want to um, misread the word of God. I, before I learned how to copy and paste years ago, I would write these out, type these out myself. And I make mistakes. 
because I am human. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 15 through 17. I just want to make sure that I read this absolutely right. Chapter 7. I don't want to add to, take away. And, you know, mistakes happen. You know, we just got to be careful on that. Okay? All right. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Mechazeldech, there arises another priest who is made, not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Mechazeldech. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, regardless if Jesus was Mechazeldech in the Old Testament, one thing is certain. Jesus is the high priest of the Most High God, the King of Righteousness and the King of Peace, in the which his priesthood will never end, and he liveth to make intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Man did not. All right. The true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, had to be purified by the high priest as the minister of the sanctuary. Jesus, being the high priest, as well as the sacrifice, used his very own blood. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16 nope, hold on I missed that 14 through 17 okay and he shall take of the bull of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanliness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about and he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanliness of the children of Israel so 
This is why the saints that rose from the grave went into the holy city and was seen by many. They did not go with Christ when he went to cleanse the heavenly temple because no man could enter until it was complete. Leviticus 16, 32 through 33 says, let's go on down here. And the priest whom he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's steed shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments. And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priest and for all the people of the congregation. Okay, I believe personally that is one of the main reasons, well, the reason why Jesus went into the heart of the earth and when he took captivity captive, he freed the, um, what I would call the Old Testament saints. They were all Old Testament saints up until um, Jesus rose, you know, was resurrected on the third day. And when he went down there, he marked them all with his blood. That's what I personally believe. Now, if I'm wrong, God show me, please. You know, absolutely. I mean, if, if you have um, not just another viewpoint, but that you could show me through scripture how, no, that's not how it happened. Uh, show me. I would be happy to learn. I mean, I'm not, you know, so prideful that I think I know it all because God knows I do not. I only know what he gives me, you know, what he opens up to me. I can read everything in the world, but if God does not open it up and give me the understanding, I'm not going to comprehend it. Um, I don't know if, you know, some of you are new to this channel of mine. I do not even have an high school education. Okay. I got married at the age of 17. Um, I got past the ninth grade, but when I was in the 10th grade, I never was able to go to the 11th grade. I was in a place in between and they would call it 10 R. What that meant was I did, I had more credit for the 10th grade, but I did not have enough to make it into the 11th. So I was like in limbo in the middle. So I have no education. Everything that I know comes from God. And see, God uses, and I've said this before, he uses the simple in order to confound the wise. And it's kind of like where, you know, Peter and John was preaching and stuff and they were amazed and they're like, they knew they were uneducated. So they knew that he had, they had to have been with Jesus because you just don't naturally know this stuff, you know, and I know I certainly don't. So anyway, Jesus being our high priest, he would, and he came, remember, to fulfill the law, every jot and every tittle, did he not? And as Aaron would put on holy linen himself, clothes, garments, there's an S there, okay? You need to get this. You need to understand it. And the, he, he went and he made atonement for the tabernacle, the holy things, and for the congregation, the people also, right? That was his duty. That's what he had to do. And he did. Jesus, the same thing. When he went into the heart of the earth, there was, there was you know, Abraham's bosom, or you want to call paradise. 
they were there. They were righteous. And the, um, well, even before, you know, the Levitical covenant and stuff, we know that God himself had shed the blood of innocent animals in order to cover Adam and Eve, right? But now those that was in this um, paradise, this holding spot, had to have the blood of Jesus upon them. And so that was the sprinkling seven times in the heart of the earth, marking the people. And then when Jesus was resurrected, they were resurrected also. And they went into the city, but Jesus had more to do, did he not? Now, I come across this site that really explains it, I think, very, very good. So turn to, if you would, Leviticus chapter 16, and we're going to read 23 and 24. All right. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen clothes, garments, I'm sorry, I said clothes, it's garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people. Now, when Jesus rose, was resurrected, he had left what behind? He left his linen clothes, clothes, strips of linen, however you want to word it, okay? Now, listen to this, if you would. And this comes from a website called Spiritual Manna. And he's talking about Leviticus 16. God provides legislation regarding the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the only day on which the high priest would enter into the most holy place to make atonement first for his own sins, which Jesus had none, and then for the sins of Israel. And we know that from Hebrews chapter 9, 1 through 7. The high priest would wear special consecrated linen garments for the occasion. And after he would depart from the most holy place, he would take off those consecrated garments, purify himself with water, and then put on other garments to continue to offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel. Whoop, hold on. I just uploaded that. Okay, I am so sorry, guys. Sometimes Satan tries to throw a wrench and cause confusion. Forgive me for that. Okay, therefore the linen clothes which the high priest wore into the holy, most holy place to offer blood for the atonement of Israel were only to be worn there and then taken off, okay? Now, after the Hebrew author makes clear in Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 9, and, and 1, I'm sorry, chapter 7, 1, all the way through chapter 9, Jesus is our new high priest in the order of Melchizedek, having secured atonement through the offering of himself. Through the details he provides about Jesus' resurrection, John is, the t is telling the same story. And remember, in John, <clears throat> him and Peter ran, remember, to the tomb. Okay, now, in the tomb, what was seen? They seen two angels sitting in the tomb and it was Mary and there was one on where it would be the feet and then the other where the head would be, right? There's two angels and in the middle, in the middle was the burial clothes and the napkin that covered his face, his head, right? That right there is a perfect picture 
of the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. And um, I'm sorry. To me, I just I get so amazed because the Word of God is alive. It is so powerful. And so remember, that was placed in the most holy place and where the priest would take that blood, right? And you can find cross-references in John chapter 20, 11 through 12, and then uh, Exodus chapter 25, 18 through 22, and Leviticus chapter 16, 11 through 16. In this way, the tomb, the empty tomb is as the most holy place. Now, Jesus, we know, um, he lay on that rock slab, and that would have represented the mercy seat where he had laid and the two angels on either side of his feet and his head and in the middle was the presence of the linen clothes and that was very fitting because as the high priest in the order of Aaron would take off his clothes once he had provided the blood atonement in the most holy place so Jesus as our high priest in the order of Melchizedek left his linen clothes behind after he had finished making atonement in the fulfillment of the most holy place the temple of his body the Hebrew author, author speaks of all of this in terms of Jesus death John reminds us that his resurrection is no less important for our atonement in the resurrection and upon his ascension, he is declared the Son of God, the High Priest in the Order of Melchizedek. Now, I just wanted to read that little bit for you because I just find that just awe, awe, awe. I don't know, awe, A-W-E, awe. I'm just in awe. Sometimes I get speechless. Sometimes I get really excited because I can, it's like, I don't know if anyone else, maybe I'm just strange, but from the very pit of my stomach it's like it, it bubbles up like there's life and I get so excited because the Word of God is so powerful and it's so exciting because I feel so alive when I read the Word of God when I study the Word of God I get excited because I feel alive alive if that makes any sense so forgive me I don't want to rattle on I don't want to take away from this but I just I needed to add that I needed you to see it so anyway now Jesus had to complete the high priest duty of cleansing the holy place and placing his blood upon the holy tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry in heaven let's not forget that he had to do that also so the new test the old testament saints they went into the city Jesus had to complete his duty though as our high priest for this day he had to go up into heaven and says the atonement Christ made for the sanctuary tabernacle altar priest and all the people Apostle Paul tells us exactly what Jesus did after he rose from the grave go to Hebrews chapter 9 11 through 12 but Christ be being how did I word that why do I word things so strange I'm so sorry guys I'm telling you what, today, the enemy does not want me to complete this. I don't understand what is going on, but you know what? I rebuke and I bind him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because I know this is to be done. I know that. I believe that with all of my heart. God's opening up his word so dramatically. It's so amazing. Okay. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come 
by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance inheritance for there is a testament for where a testament is there must also of necessity be the death of the testator testament is covenant for a testament is a force after men are dead Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Okay, so we see that Jesus, excuse me, he fulfilled all this. I see. Um, all right, yes, let's just keep reading in Hebrews because it's got so much more to say. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary. Now, this is so important. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once, 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 in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by his sacrifice of, by the sacrifice of himself. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once, once, offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation praise god i hope you've seen that i hope you understand it now hebrews chapter 10 
14 through 18. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Verses 20 and 21. By a new living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Now go to Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For say, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown to thee in the mount. This verse tells us those things that were in the earthly tabernacle were made from the pattern of heavenly things that Moses had saw in the mount. Is there any proof they exist other than this scripture? Yes, there is. Go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Okay, Revelation 6, 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before the Lord. Revelation 11 verse 19 and the temple of the Lord was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament covenant and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Revelation 15 5 and after that I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testament in heaven was opened just praise God why was it necessary for Jesus to take his blood to heaven and purify these things because the first sin to ever occur was not on the earth but in heaven Satan's sin occurred in heaven that did not in any way make God less holy for that is impossible but since his sin did occur in heaven the heavenly things had to be purified once and for all. It could only be purified by the pure blood and not of bulls and goats, but the blood of the only begotten Son of the Father was needed. That is why the Old Testament saints went to the lower parts of the earth in a compartment called Paradise or Abraham's bosom. Heaven's temple of the tabernacle had experienced sin. A rebellious heart welled up in Lucifer, and it would take absolute pure blood to cleanse it. By Jesus' blood, now we can go boldly to the throne of grace. His blood has given us access to the heavenly temple. Now, 
Let's read some scriptures that show us what Satan did and how he defiled heaven and how he was thrown out of heaven. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 13. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Ezekiel 28, 13-14 Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee the day that thou wast created. Satan's a created being, brothers and sisters. He's created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Satan was an anointed cherub. God placed him in the garden of God, which was upon the holy mountain of God. When you begin to study this out, you will find this garden was in heaven. This garden is what I believe to be paradise, which is another word for Eden. In Hebrew writings, this paradise of God is synonymous with the eternal garden called Gani. Uh, <clears throat> let's see if I can do this right. I'm not Hebrew. Uh, let's see. Gadin. Gadinin. That is another study for another time. It really is. Okay, Ezekiel. 28 17 through 18 thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness i will cast thee to the ground i will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring these to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Satan was beautiful. The only reason for his beauty, though, was because he reflected God's glory. People don't get it. We know that because of his name. Lucifer means shining one. Without the light of God, he would never have been able to shine brightly. Never. All of heaven's glory revolves around the Most High God, for he is the author of that glory. When Satan fell, he no longer was beautiful, but he became the prince of darkness, the same as ourselves. If we walk away from God, our light diminishes and we become full of darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. Without him, we have no light, brothers and sisters. You see, Satan, Lucifer, I believe his name changed. That's how I think, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Light bearer, you know, shining one. But um, he covered the throne of God. He was the covering cherub. And he reflected 
God's glory. He reflected God's light. He reflected God's beauty. Therefore, Satan was the most beautiful angel in heaven. Now, think about this for a minute. Because if, if you, I, I don't know about anyone else. I know that more often than not, I am constantly repenting, asking Jesus, asking the Father in the name of Jesus to forgive me for pride. Pride is not good. See, Satan, I don't know how, or Lucifer, how whatever you want to call him, after a time, I don't know how long, I have no idea, he began to think he was beautiful away from God, aside from God, other than God. He forgot that he reflected God's beauty. He wasn't beautiful in and of himself. No, 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 no. It was because he reflected the beauty of God, the glory of God, the light of God, that made him the most beautiful out of them all. You understand? Now, Sometimes we ourselves, and I, I'm talking about myself, so, I, you know, I can't put everybody else in the same group because I don't know anybody else's heart, nobody else's life or anything like that. I only know mine. And there's times that all of a sudden I'll start thinking, oh, I tell you, I'm not that dumb after all, am I? Look at that. No, 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 no. That's the sin of Satan. That's the sin of Lucifer. He started thinking he was something without God. How dare I think that I know something without God? I know nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. But see, the enemy will begin to whisper and say, See, look at that. Look, you see, oh my God. No. You know, he, he will destroy many with flatteries, will he not? I mean, that's what the Antichrist is going to do. That's what, you know, strange women do. They begin to flatter with the tongue when it comes to, you know, young men and stuff and get them to crawl in another, you know, bed of harlotry there, which leads to death. Flatteries is not a good thing. Let me tell you that right now, brothers and sisters. The flattery is not a good thing. But you know what? When somebody flatters you, you all of a sudden start feeling good a little bit. Oh, that made me feel good. Yeah, it made you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yep, made you feel good. But you know what? If you keep listening to that, you're going to be walking away from God because you're going to start thinking you're something when you're nothing. Plain and simple. People don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that. They think that's negative. They think, that, no, that ain't right. No, I am. No, no, you're not. Believe it or not, God does not sit on the throne for your happiness. Trust me. He does not. Okay? He loves you. He does. He sent his only begotten son in order to die for you so you can be reconciled with him. But he's not sitting on the throne for your happiness. No, he's not. Okay. So, let's keep going. Now, Luke chapter 10, verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Satan was literally cast out of heaven. And Jesus saw him fall as lightning. Lightning is beautiful, but once it hits something, the spot it hits is burnt and black and causes destruction. When Satan fell, darkness fell to the earth also. And he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, as he walks to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I personally believe, um, let's see, let me get down here, 
I personally believe when Satan fell, darkness fell to the earth also. But I believe Satan fell. All right. How do you want to word this? Because there's, all right. I believe Satan fell in Babylon, in Assyria, in uh, Medo-Persians, in the Roman, all in those empires. All of those empires have one thing in common, and people don't realize this. They all have the land of the north in common. We call Asia Minor. We call Turkey. I tend to believe the Satan fell in the city called Pergamos, where he has set his throne up. I believe with all of my heart that that is where he did it. He must have a throne for him to say, I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. Does he not speak about the north and the sides of the north? North of Jerusalem is Turkey, brothers and sisters. People want to push and believe that Russia is the king of the north. It is not Russia. It is Turkey. Do you know that exactly north of Jerusalem, I, I will probably mispronounce this name, but I could spell it, is Ankara, A-N-K-A-R-A, -A -A, I think that's how it's uh, spelled, and that is the capital city in Turkey. Now, do you know what is directly north of that city? The Northern Star. The Northern Star. The land of the North is Turkey. I believe, now this is my belief, I'm not saying, you know, God showed me supernatural or anything like that, but when I, I did get to go to Turkey, Istanbul, um, Turkey in December of 2019, before all this foolishness happened with this, whatever you want to call it, I don't know what you want to call it, but I did get to go there. I absolutely loved it. I've been to Israel, loved Israel. I love Turkey. And then in January in 2020, I got to go to Rome. I hated it. I, the people were beautiful. I love the people. I love, the, they weren't as friendly. I will tell you that they, they're more, um, sadly to say, but they're more, uh, snobbish. But the people in Turkey and the people in Israel, they're good people. They're nice people. I loved them. I really, truly did. But um, anyway, I got to go there before all of this shut down and all this, you know, foolishness is happening. But it's not foolishness because it's the word of God being, you know, performed. You know, nothing happens here on earth that God has not permitted. So praise God for what exactly is happening. Praise God. Hopefully, oh, I prayfully, it ushers in the return of Christ and then a new heaven and a new earth can come. That's what I pray. But anyway, so when I got to go, it was absolutely amazing. And I do believe that the throne that is in Pergamos, and I know that they have disassembled it you know, the actual structure that they had built that doesn't change the geographical place at all. It doesn't just know that. Okay. Anyway, Zechariah chapter three, one through 12. 
And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Praise God. This is a prophetic vision given to Zechariah concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. If you re continue to read, you will see this is not referring to Joshua, but to Jesus the branch. Now, Joshua, Yahashua, Yeshua, however you want to pronounce the Hebraic name, is the same name as Jesus. We, just, we, we call him Jesus because we're English. Okay, and the English is called he's called Jesus. In Hebrew it's Yahashua or Yahoshua. Yeshua. <laughs> There's so many different people the names and so many different names. It's so kind of confusing. But since I speak the English language, I call him Jesus the branch, okay? Also read Isaiah chapter four, verse two. And let's go to that real quick because we're going to just go into these scriptures. I don't want to just leave you hanging because you know what? On Watchmen on the Pod, I realize and I see that there is people from, I mean, from countries that don't even let them have a Bible, you know. China's on there. Korea's on there. Saudi Arabia shows up, Pakistan's on there, India, India's on there a lot. And what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the YouTube channel, but I'm talking about the website for Watchmen on the Pod. I can go to the statistics and I can see what countries they come from. And some of these people, they don't have Bibles of the tangible, you know, in their hand, physical Bibles. So that's why I like to read the scripture and post it also. Um, okay, let's see here. Let's go to Isaiah. Like I said, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and calmly for them that are escaped of Israel. Then go to Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Let's do that. Isaiah 53, what a wonderful chapter. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. But he hath no form, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, but and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. 
He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death shall he I'm sorry, I jumped down my eyes then. And his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquity therefore will i divide a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's what Jesus did for us, brothers and sisters. Now go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Chapter 23, verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise up David, a righteous branch, capital B, and a king, capital K, shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and when we stumble in sin, he goes as close as he is allowed to the throne, accusing each of us. You can find that in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. In Job chapter 1, 6 through 7. <clears throat> now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from waking, walking up and down in it, now, I ought to stop there. The reason I'm going to stop there is because I don't know if many of you have heard of the Septuagint. Um, the history of the Septuagint is this. The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Okay? This is very important to understand. The Septuagint... The reason it was translated into Greek, because people be like, why, why Greek, right? Well, years ago in captivity, the Jews began to adapt to their surroundings. And obviously they had to learn the language of the people around them. As time went on, they began to speak more Greek than they did the Hebrew language and not saying the Hebrew language was a lost language please understand me I'm not saying that but as they began to have children their children was taught the Greek language because it was 
the culture that they lived in they they had to speak it so what they had done was they had found 70 that's what septuagint means 70 hebrew men to translate the hebrew scriptures into greek okay for them so this was for the jews the septuagint was for the jews they had done that then now a lot of people don't realize it and i've had people say i don't believe that I'm, well i you know i can't help it that's fine that's fine history says so you know and i know that they have changed history trust me i understand that and stuff does the septuagint hold books that should not be in the bible yes i believe it does i do believe it does but for these kjv only people guess what in 1611 so did the kjv have these books same books added to the canon and then later on they removed them okay that's all i'm saying on that like the maccabees i believe they are historical books i do not believe they are inspired by the holy spirit should we read them i don't see their problem in reading them whatsoever i really seriously do not because i believe they are history but i don't believe it's scripture so therefore man wrote them not inspired by god so therefore there's mistakes in there and there could be contradictions in there when it comes to the word of god because man wrote it okay carnal spiritual all right you understand the torah that spiritual book inspired the bible that we have the 66 books in the canon that we have inspired by the word of god there's no error no error whatsoever okay so the septuagint i want you to see how this is written now like i said i started to tell you and i got veered off on that and i didn't mean to forgive me but jesus read from this book he quoted from this book he did not quote the extra biblical books that's been placed into it no we did not no we did not now the earlier um christian jewish christians that you know converted or was born again they read from this book now this is what happened the jews were extremely jealous very jealous they didn't like that at all that really bothered them because after all that book was translated for them not for people that was of the sect of the way and what i mean by the way is before in antioch before they had nickname which wasn't first was not a good nickname but they had nicknamed those that were followers of the way they nicknamed christians before they were just the followers of the way the way you could see that throughout the new testament if you just really look for it you can see it so anyway they were very upset and jealous so they decided to rewrite another one just for them now when it comes to the kjv the kjv used the masoretic text the later text i think there's a thousand year difference i could be wrong on that don't mark my words on that but i believe it's a thousand years between the septuagint and the masoretic text but the KJV copied from that text instead of the Septuagint because of the apocryphal books. They, you know, they didn't like the apocryphal. But like I said, in 1611, they added the apocryphal books in the KJV. I have one of those Bibles. They, it's in there. It's in there. But later on, they decided, you know, these are not canonical. These are not inspired. So they got rid of them. They, they removed them out. The Catholic Church, on the other hand, 
says that they are. St. Jerome told the Catholic Church that when he had translated the Septuagint into the Latin Vulgate, that they did not belong in there, that they were not inspired, but they, they wouldn't agree with him, so they kept them. All right, so anyway, with all that, what I want to show you is in the Septuagint, in Job chapter 1, 6 through 7, what I had just read, this is how it reads in the Septuagint. And it came to pass on a day that, behold, the angels of God came to stand before the Lord, and the devil came with them. The Lord said to the devil, Whence art thou come? And the devil answered the Lord and said, I am come from, from compassing the earth and walking up and down in the world. And the Lord said to him, Hast thou diligently considered? my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a man blameless, true, godly, abstaining from everything evil. Now, the reason I read that is, do you see where it does not say the sons of God, but it says the angels of God. I find that very, very intriguing. The reason I find it intriguing is because in the KJV, Let's go to it once again. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Why is this intriguing? Because many who have misinterpreted Genesis 6, where it says sons of God went unto the daughters of men, use that as a springboard to prove their argument that the sons of God in Genesis 6 is angels and not men. That's a whole new study. It truly is, which I have done that study, but I don't think I put it up yet. Or maybe I did. I'm not positive. But uh, I find that very intriguing myself. That's just a little side note. So let's keep going. Um, Satan is the one that tempts us with evil, not God. And let no man say when he is tempted of evil that he is tempted of God. Satan desires to sift us all as wheat as he did Peter. Now, Revelation chapter 12, 4 through 5 says, And his tail drew the third part of the stars out of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which I believe the woman is Israel. That's what I believe which was ready to be delivered for to deliver her child as soon as it was born, which I believe is Jesus Christ. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. I believe that was the resurrection. Now that is my belief. The third of the stars came willingly. They were not jerked out of heaven against their will, brothers and sisters. These are the angels that followed Lucifer and began to worship him rather than God. I believe that's where the word of God says, and the angels that sinned. I believe that was their sin. They left their heavenly abode, their habitation, and turned their back on God. That's what I personally believe the Bible teaches. Okay, Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 through 9 says and there was war in heaven 
Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought his angels, and prevailed not. And the dragon fought his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. There is coming a day that Satan will be bound here on earth and no longer have access to the heavens. That is why the angels cry, Woe unto the inhabitants of earth and the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. When he is limited on this earth, he will be furious and angry. Now, this again is my interjection this is how i read it and if i'm wrong please uh, don't be shy because there's no there's no time for shyness you understand what i'm saying and don't don't be concerned you're going to hurt my feelings if you hurt my feelings that means there's pride there inside of me and there's a problem okay i need to be able to take correction and rebuke and to be shown why i'm wrong and what i'm seeing okay I don't have a problem with that. And if I do, like I said, then there's pride in there. There's no room for pride. I would rather be corrected now while there's still breath in my body than to be flattered and end up in hell. That's just how I look at it. So this is how I believe and what I see. I personally believe when Jesus went into heaven with his blood, not when he ascended up from the Mount of Olives, but before he allowed anyone to touch him, that he had went up into heaven and he cleansed the heavenlies. The third heaven, the third heaven, get that, that's very important, the third heaven, the second and third, no. The third heaven where God's throne is, that Jesus went up and he cleansed heaven with his beautiful, holy, precious blood. And Satan is no, along, uh, no longer allowed to enter into the third heaven. But he can the second and the first heaven and here on earth. That's what I believe. If I'm wrong, show me, please. I'll accept it. I'll accept it as long as it lines up with scripture. Because see, Satan, when he was tossed down here, and his tail, remember, had drew a third of the stars, right? We got that. We understand that. But that is when he was cast out of heaven after he had sinned. That's how I see it. But then when Jesus went in and he cleansed heaven, Satan is no longer allowed into the third heaven. As for the angels, the third that followed him, I believe God put them in chains of darkness in Tartarus, bottomless pit, the deep, whatever you want to call it, however worded you want to word it, but they are locked away, awaiting the day of judgment. That's what, that's how I, I see it. If I'm wrong, then please show me. I mean, I, I, I want to learn. I want to know. All right. So, 
Now it says, Woe, that is why the angels cry, like I said, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. And he's angry, right? This is why Jesus immediately went into heaven when he rose. He went to purify the heavenly tabernacle and articles of ministry that Satan defiled. As a high priest, he was fulfilling the law and duty of the high priest. Jesus had to do this alone. Remember, the high priest had to do it alone, as the law requires. Jesus at this time did not appear unto the Father. That was his next thing to do. But first, he had to go back to Jerusalem and pick up a gift for his Father. I love this. This is so, this is so amazing. The next and final chapter, we will see why Jesus came back why Mary Magdalene could not touch him, even though he had already cleansed heaven with his blood. So, brothers and sisters, we are almost finished. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about it. There's a lot to this, is there not? I hope I did not go, I hope I did not confuse anyone. I, there's a lot of talk. I know that there's a lot of talk. And forgive me if i hope i did not confuse anyone today has been just a crazy day nikki had just got a hold of me and said that she's been having a crazy day her boss has been shooting off signals that this is wrong that is wrong and everything's wrong and then another bus driver got called home on an emergency so they had to rearrange their routes and just things are a little bit crazy. The dogs have been barking. I've had to stop and go, stop and go, stop and go on this recording. I'm not sure if you could tell when I have to stop it back up and redo it. I don't know. But forgive me. I pray with all of my heart that it did not come across this confusion. If it does, tell me. I will take it down and re redo it. Because God is not the author of confusion at all he is not this must be as simple as it possibly can so you can understand it so i can understand it so those who are in christ jesus can learn and grow in his word all right brothers and sisters i love you with all of my heart please keep your eyes on jesus your nose in the book which is the word of god and embed the word of god upon the tablets of your hearts so you will not sin against God or be deceived. I promise next chapter it will just just be beautiful. I love it. I love it. So I love you all. Bye-bye.